Everybody, I'm Brian Clapp, VP of Content and Engaged Learning for WorkInSports.com, and this is the Work in Sports Podcast. I've been ending every show lately sharing the importance of wearing a mask, but I don't want to bury the lead anymore. It's not a political statement. It's not controversial. It's a simple thing we all have to do. Wear a mask. Be safe. I want sports to return. I want less people to die. I want my kids to go back to school safely. We can all contribute to that. Just start wearing a mask. Period. End of rant. Later today, I'm really pumped to be interviewing Amina Solomon, a player personnel coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles. Amina spent multiple years with the Temple University football program. She interned with the NFL League offices. She began working for the Eagles three years ago. It's such a cool conversation. We're going to talk player personnel, the combine, learning to evaluate players, being a woman in sports, and even deeper, being a Muslim woman in sports who wears a hijab and I'm guessing has been the subject of stereotyping throughout her career. So we'll learn more shortly. That's going to debut uh, not this Wednesday, next Wednesday. Uh, and then Wednesday this week, check out my interview with Melissa Silberman, who is the director of partnership activation for the Atlanta Hawks. Now, this is a very cool business conversation. We obviously talk about Melissa's journey and how she she got to where she is, but she's in the business of providing sponsors value. So if they sign a sponsorship deal with, you know, State Farm or whatever, that's State Farm Arena, but not a great example. But for example, uh, State Farm, then she is on the team that helps to activate those and turn them into a profitable relationship for the for the business. And for a lot of time in arena, in arena marketing is a big part of that. That's one of the main activations. Well, how do you pivot when there's no fans in the stadium or arena and still create value for sponsors? That's what we talk about on Wednesday, and it's really fascinating. So tune in. It's really cool to hear how people pivot in their business. Uh, for today, though, on our Monday podcast, today we have a great question coming in from Michael J. Michael writes, Hey, Brian, hope all is going well. I've enjoyed listening to your podcast. Thank you, Michael. I will be attending my first virtual networking event in a couple weeks. I am a person with a lot of social anxiety, and I struggle with networking events. Would you be able to provide any advice on how to handle a virtual networking event? Thank you, Michael Johnson. Oops, I'm Michael J. <laughs> I don't think he cares. Great question, Michael. Uh, number one. Okay. Networking isn't easy for most of us. Like nobody, very few people think I am a networking boss, right? I'd say envision it like a bell curve. There are 10% of people who love and adore the art of networking. There are 10% of people who are deathly afraid of it. And then 80% of people who are kind of in the middle. You know, they don't love it. They don't hate it, but they understand it's something they have to do. I'm in that 80%. I don't love it. And I don't hate it. It's not a like a big part of my life. Um, but it is. I guess it is, but not something that's like a, a major focus, something I really enjoy doing. Um, again, as you've heard me say thousands of times on this in, on this podcast, networking, take that word out of it. You know, like networking is the term that we all ascribe to this process, but really you have to view it as relationship building. You have to look at it as an opportunity to build a relationship with somebody else. Um, now, when you think of it like that bell curve, 
And if you're somebody with, with some social anxiety, what you have to realize is that you are not really an oddball. You're not there's strange about you. There's nothing like weird. The 90% of people really aren't avid fans of networking. When you factor in those of us in the 80% middle and the 10% of the people that really are like deathly afraid of it, it means most people aren't like, woohoo, networking, woohoo, let's do it. Um, but we all realize that it's important. So we kind of figure out our ways to get around that. But I think sometimes when you have social anxiety issues, it helps to frame yourself as not an edge case. Like, don't think of yourself as like, I'm just one of those 10% of people who are deathly afraid of it. You know, when you think of it like a bell curve, most people aren't that really fond of it. You know, it, it's true. Uh, so you're not putting yourself in this category of I'm different and I'm strange. You're just thinking of yourself as somebody who's like, all right, this is a hurdle for me and I got to figure out how to deal with it. Um, I look at it the same way. I really do. I don't have any social anxiety problems, but I still look at networking like, OK, it's not something I love, but I have to get better at it. I have to do it because I understand it's important for my career and to build more relationships in the industry. Um the other point I'd like to make is that social anxiety is a real thing. Uh, of course, you know this, but I want you don't need me to validate you. I'm not trying to do that. But but anybody listening, I want you to understand that um, there, social anxiety is real. There's a lot of people that deal with this problem and, and look at social uh, environments to say, this is not something I'm comfortable with. And that it gives them a great deal of panic and it can really affect them negatively. And so what I'd say to those people, because I talk to a lot of people with the, these issues and I'm curious about their perspective or how they've dealt with it is um, accept it. Don't fight it. All right. Don't try to convince yourself you aren't having a problem here or that you can just fix it by trying a little bit harder. Be who you are. It's OK. You know, so if you have if you look at an event and say that to me is just a pocket full of nightmares, like if you look at a conference or a, a networking event or something like that and say that is literally the biggest fear I have in my life. I don't agree with the idea of you got to push through then. Like, I don't think that's actually the right approach. I don't think that's healthy. Uh, I don't I don't think that you need to pretend to be something you are not. There are plenty of thousands of ways around this problem that don't have to go through. I, I mean, I, I read a quote the other day from Robert Frost, the, the poet, who said uh, the best way to get around something is through it. I, I could be getting a little bit wrong. But, yeah, there's a time where pushing through uncomfortable is good and getting into those uncomfortable ranges and, and pushing yourself beyond your comfort zone. All of that is good. But social anxiety is a real thing. It's not discomfort. It's like a real affliction. So don't feel like you have to be in denial of that or that you have this, this need to push through it or else you're, you aren't going to survive and thrive. I don't agree with that at all. I'm reading a book right now. Great book. Um, it's based on a story from the 1930s and 50s, through the 1950s. So before World War II, during and after. And there's a character who was gay, uh, but he tried for decades to fix himself. And I put quotation marks around fix. That's why you could tell by my voice when I said fix himself. That's like air quotes. Uh, and I found this heartachingly sad. You know, I would hope now anyone, anywhere today, would be themselves. I know that's naive. I know that's not true. I know a lot of people try to hide who they are, right? But you want for people to be who they are, accept it, love who you are, and figure out how to get the best out of yourself. I don't think that necessarily means trying to plow through as if it isn't there and pretend it isn't there and just drive past it. Like acknowledge it. Say, yes, I have problems with social anxiety. So 
there are times where I'm going to have to push myself into uncomfortable zones, but maybe this isn't it. You know, maybe I need to figure out a way to work networking into my comfort zone rather than put myself into its comfort zone. Um, if you're someone who deals with social anxiety, learn your triggers. You know, figure out those things that really inhibit you. I remember our team of reporters interviewing Ricky Williams back in the day. Uh, he had just left the University of Texas to enter the NFL. He was top draft pick. The Saints gave up almost their entire draft for him with Mike Ditka. He was like the it guy. You know, like everybody wanted to talk to him. Everybody wanted to interview him. And he deals with a lot of social anxiety. But a lot of us didn't know that at the time. And he would conduct interviews with his helmet on. And he had a visor in his helmet. And people started to label him. They thought he was weird or they thought he was aloof. But you know what he was? He was dealing with anxiety and that helped him. Putting the helmet on helped him get through those difficult situations. I find myself doing the same thing sometimes and I don't have issues with social anxiety, but there are times where if I'm wearing sunglasses, I feel more confident. I don't know why that is, but it's something about like covering my eyes so that somebody can't like read my reaction to things that allows me to kind of go into a different uh, part of myself that allows me to open up a little bit differently and more. I feel less vulnerable. I feel a little protected. So my point in bringing this up is that if you have any issues with social anxiety, and I'm not a doctor, I'm not a psychiatrist, I'm not a psychologist, but I can sit there and observe and talk to people and have these understandings to say, learn your triggers figure out how to put yourself in the best situation for success and don't be ashamed of it, you know? And also what I think probably helped Ricky Williams at some point was that he admitted it. He talked about it. He told people he was dealing with social anxiety. And so then we started to look at him differently. You know, you didn't think of him as being weird or aloof or doing something out of the norm or what's going on with this guy, or he thinks he's so cool or whatever. You started to say, Oh, okay, this is how he deals with it. So sometimes it may be easier. I'm not saying lead with it. I'm not saying come out and be like, just so everybody knows, I have social anxiety issues. Um, but don't be afraid to kind of talk about it if you're getting to that point of comfort. Um, don't be afraid of what helps you. Like if it helps you to wear sunglasses or it helps you to put on a helmet or it helps you to not go to some networking events, don't try to please everyone else. You know, figure out what makes you happy and, and be creative in, in figuring out other solutions. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about what you can do. Now, Michael, I want to surprise you here. Um, I would actually say, why are you trying to go to a virtual networking event if you know this is something that makes you really uncomfortable? Uh, I would say there's other ways to network and get to know people in really effective manners that don't require you going onto a Zoom call with 100 to 200 people. Um, I have a very robust network, and there are literally thousands of people I have had intelligent, thoughtful conversations with, but I've never heard their voice. I've never actually looked them eye to eye. We've done so much through social media. Social media is your friend. A virtual networking event may not be. Round peg, square hole. Like, don't try to force it in there. Um, I use social media to network a vast majority of the time. I reach out to people for the podcast. I have conversations there. I engage with people. I connect with people and I tell them why. So my advice to you is to start networking in other manners. Don't feel, again, I'm going to say it again. Don't feel like you have to challenge yourself to conform to what other society, the rest of society says. Oh, well, I have to network face to face. That's how it works. Nope. You can be creative in other ways. Or, oh, I have to push through. I, mean, I have to go into my, get outside of my comfort zone. Eh, yeah, sometimes, not all the time. 
I don't, I don't ascribe to that. I don't believe that, that you always have to push it into your comfort zone, out of your comfort zone. Sometimes, sure. That helps you grow, no doubt. I won't deny any of it. But it also can be detrimental. So it doesn't always have to happen that way. Use social media. So here's your approach. Who do you want to network in? Networking, again, is a quality game, not a quantity game. So I said a little while ago, I have thousands of people in my network. But really, if I had 100 who were the right people, that would be a very effective network. It doesn't have to be thousands of people. You don't have to amass 50 business cards at every event that you go to. You know, those are, those are superficial goals. Those mean nothing. Those actually get you nowhere, right? Just collecting. Oh, I got all these names. That means I must have success. Oh, I got numbers. Oh, I know. I know. What do you do with it? Right? What are you doing to build that relationship? What are you doing to have a conversation? What are you doing to follow up? So what I would say is use social media as your friend to be a more aggressive networker. Reach out to people that fit where you want to go or who are currently doing the job you want to do, right? So if you get your MBA and you want to go into the operations side of an NFL team, reach out to people who are in operations for an NFL team, operations coordinator, player personnel coordinator, any of those kind of roles and say, hey, just finished getting my MBA. You're doing it. You're in a role that I would love to be a part of, would love to connect with you and just maybe bounce some questions off of you over time. You will find that people will respond to you that way. And you will find if you go through the effort to build the relationship, but also not just always ask for things, provide some value to them as well, that you will have a robust relationship. That is a networking event you can manage because it's one-on-one. It's through social media. You didn't have to do anything crazy. You didn't have to do small talk in a big conference room. You didn't have to worry that you couldn't hear the person or that you didn't really fully understand them. Or if you looked, you know, you weren't wearing the right clothes, you were doing the wrong thing, you were doing this, whatever. You can plan it. What I found from talking to people that have social anxiety is a lot of it is the unknown, right? It's that unknown what will happen. It's the, the predictive nature in your mind saying, oh my gosh, I don't know. Is this person going to say this? Or is that person going to ask that? Or is this person going to move over here? And am I going to feel the pressure of other people around me? And ah, Right? But through social media networking, you can manage all the timing. You can decide exactly what you want to say. You can review it 30 times before you hit send. You can think through every interaction. You can take it in your own time and make it predictable and repeatable. Building a relationship through social media is absolutely a thing. I would suggest, personally, LinkedIn and Twitter are your two best friends for that, right? You can really do some networking through Twitter. I prefer LinkedIn. I'm much more of a fan there. I can get into the business conversation, and I also know that they are there for business reasons, But people tend to be more active on a day-to-day basis in Twitter, and they might only use LinkedIn when they're actively searching for themselves or they're seeking out specific information. If you want to reach somebody in there every day, there's a good chance they might be on Twitter, and that's a good place to start it as well. But again, you have to be concise. On LinkedIn, you have 300 characters who you can add a note when you want to make a connection. You have 300 characters, so explain your why. You know, explain why you're connecting with them, why it's important, what, what do you bring to the table, why do, you, why do you want to know them, right? Give them a little bit of flattery. Give them some reason for making this connection. Give them some reason for wanting to talk to you or have some sort of an interaction. Um, I always think the best way is to, you know, start out by finding people that you have a very direct connection to. They were alumni of your college program. They're working for a team that you really want to work with. There's some thread of connection between you. You know, and start there. I tell people all the time, every single podcast interview that you listen to on our podcast, every single person that I have interviewed on this show, you should connect with. 
because you have an easy reason to. You can add a note saying, hey, Lee Steinberg, I listened to your interview on the Work and Sports podcast, found the information you found, shared fascinating. Would love to connect and continue to learn from you. Or you can be even more specific. Hey, Kara Walker from the Boston Celtics, you're working in marketing for a team that I admire. I've always dreamed of working in sports marketing. Would love to connect with you and continue learning. I heard you on the Work and Sports podcast. Don't forget to mention that part. Makes me look good. When you uh, connect with somebody and say, I heard you on the Work and Sports podcast, that really helps my guests feel good about the experience and about talking to me. So don't forget to mention that part. But again, my point is you can build your network without having to go outside of your crazy comfort zone because social anxiety is a real thing. Once we start with the premise that this is real and build off of that, it's not about breaking down through your comfort zone and pushing yourself into new areas. It's about finding a way to manage it without triggering yourself towards a negative experience. So great. You sign up for a virtual networking event. You go to it. You don't like it. You're feeling anxious the entire time. You don't really connect with anybody. And you come out of that thinking, okay, I pushed myself into areas I'm not that comfortable, but I didn't really build my network at all. You know, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't push anywhere. It doesn't help you anyway. Go with ways that can work. And I'm telling you, social media is the way. Network with people through that channel. Figure out your thread of connection to them. Figure out why they would want to talk to you. And understand that not everybody is going to. There's going to be a lot of people you reach out to. There's going to be a lot of people you try to talk to who are not going to respond. That's okay. That's life. It's okay. Networking and relationship building is sometimes letting those things roll off your back too. You're not going to make everybody connect with you or have, they're not going to be of the right type of person that wants to help or talk or provide insight. I will tell you 99% of the people that I interview for our podcast are proving to you right there that they want to share and give advice. And they all say to me afterwards, Hey, if anybody wants to connect with me on LinkedIn, I'm glad to help them. Right? So do it. Do it. That's your first entry into networking. And it doesn't have to push you in a new area you're not comfortable with. So I know you were expecting me to give you tips on how to handle a virtual networking event, but my real advice is maybe that's not the right way for you to network. And that's okay because there's other ways to do it. It's not the only option in town. So don't feel like you need to fit yourself into the process that other people use. Figure out your own process that works. All right, Michael, I hope that helps. And everybody out there dealing with this idea of virtual networking or any type of networking in general. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Please subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. because That sure helps. And then make sure to tune in to Melissa Silberman's interview on Wednesday, the Director of Partnership Activation for the Atlanta Hawks. And next week, Amina Solomon, who's a player personnel coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles. And I've got a long lineup of really great interviews coming up. So make sure you subscribe and get involved in there. Uh, and I'll say it again, like I said at the beginning, put on a mask. Stay safe. I'm not going to sing, but I want you to wear a mask. Thanks, everybody. Take care. <laughs>